0: Well, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. I am so glad that you guys all decided to be here this morning. Anytime that they let the youth minister preach, I always have these nightmares that I'm going to walk in and nobody's going to be here. So thank you so much for being here and making sure that that didn't happen this morning. Uh, before we launch into the message this morning, I wanted to give you guys all a quick update because I've had a lot of people asking and there seems to be some confusion uh, when it comes to my amazing wife. Um, she has not had the baby yet. Um, just to dispel that myth, Uh, She has not had the baby yet. She is still at home today watching on the live stream. Hi babe, love you. Um, She is at home watching the live stream. She is still on bed rest. Um, She has some elevated blood pressure. Uh, Most of you know she's a type one diabetic, so she has some issues with the blood sugars and things like that. Um, So she's being very closely monitored by a very good team of doctors, but she is at home resting, hopefully with her feet up. Um, But I just wanted to thank all of you guys for all of your love and your support. And for those of you that were able to bring meals or gift cards or whatever the case may be, uh, you guys have no idea how much that means to me and to my family. And trust me, my wife does not want me to cook every night because that would not be a pretty scene. Um, But thank you guys so much. You know, a few years back, before I came back to the church here, um, when my wife and I were debating back and forth between moving back from Phoenix or staying in Phoenix where we were, um, one of the things that stuck out in my mind was my father-in-law, who is much wiser than me, said... One of the things you want to think about is, are these the people you want to break bread with? And are these the people you want to do life with? And I can tell you guys right now, there is no group of people I would rather do life with than you guys right here, so thank you so much. I love every single one of you guys. Um, So, I guess I should probably do a sermon while I'm up here because I don't think you guys came just to hear the updates about Lizzie. Um, But, what we're gonna talk a little bit about today is we're gonna talk about turnarounds. And turnarounds can mean a lot of different things. We think of, Turning around in things like those dreaded traffic circle things, roundabouts, whatever you guys call them. We don't have those where I'm from, and I despise them with every ounce of my being. But anyway, that's a side note. Um, But when we think about turnarounds, what we're talking about is when we need to make a turnaround in our lives. Now, for those of you who have been at this church for a long time, and by that I mean about seven years-ish, some of you will remember that I had to make a turnaround in my life. And for those of you that remember, I stood right about here on this stage on a Sunday morning after Steve Smith gave the invitation with my legs shaking and tears in my eyes because I had come to a point in my life where I needed to make a turnaround. And prior to that, if you'd have told me that seven years from now I'd be standing on this stage delivering a message on Sunday morning, I'd have said, You're out of your mind. It's it's true, I would have. But I'd been working with Steve and I had been talking to Steve and I'd come to a point in my life where I was making some poor decisions and I was not putting God first, and I needed to make a turnaround in my own life. So I stood right about here with my knees shaking and tears running down my face, and I asked God to come back into my heart to forgive me for the things that I had done and to help me turn my life around. And I'm very thankful to say that he has done that, or I wouldn't be here with you this morning. But my point is not that we need to think about the things that we are doing wrong in our lives. That's not really what this sermon is about. What this sermon is about is the fact that, as we just sang, we worship an amazing, awesome God who can do amazing things in our lives if we will just ask Him to do it. And that's what we're really going to look at today. We're not going to focus on the negative things or the bad things that we've done in our lives. We're going to focus on the fact that if we love Him and put Him first, He can turn our lives around. And we're going to look at some examples today in the Bible of some folks that did just that. Because we tend to judge people based on the season of life that they may be in, right? When we see somebody who's kind of down and out on their luck or who's having a hard time or maybe has an addiction that they need to turn away from, we tend to judge people based on that season, but that's not how God operates. Because God can take you from that season in your life where you need to make changes and he can do amazing things not only in you but through you. And I'm living proof of that. Because God can do amazing things, but you have to be the one to say, God, this is what I need. So what I want you to think about this morning is, are there things in your life that you need to turn away from? Maybe it's a relationship that you need to turn away from. Maybe it's an addiction that you need to turn away from. I don't know, and I'm not here to judge. But again, we're not focused this morning on those negative things in your life. What we're going to focus on is the amazing things that God can do in your life if you will just allow Him to do so. Because you know what? We serve a God who created the heavens and the earth in seven days, What do you think he can do in your life? Because if he can do that, he can do anything, right? But we have to believe that and we have to feel that and we have to know that in our heart of hearts that he can make those changes. But we have to take that first step. So we're going to look at some folks in the Bible who maybe if you looked at these folks during a season of their lives, you might have just pushed these people aside. And society at the time that these folks lived probably pushed these people aside and said, ah, whatever, This person doesn't mean anything. This person is not important. But God took those people and did amazing and fantastic things in their lives. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. And the first one we're going to take a look at is David. Now, we're all pretty familiar with the story of David, right? For the most part. But we're going to look at what God did in his life. And if you have your Bible and you want to turn to 1 Samuel 17, in just a moment we're going to read verses 34 and 35. Because what I want to look at is I want to look at where David started out. Right? Where did David start out? And in one Samuel seventeen thirty four and thirty five it reads. But David said to Saul, "Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off <clears throat> carried off sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from the mouth. Now when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and." killed it. Now that's kind of a graphic verse, I understand that, but I think this drives home a really important part of where we start off with with David. David was a shepherd. Now a shepherd was an important job nonetheless, but they were basically sending these guys out knowing that they were going to encounter things like bears and lions. This was a wild, you know, a wild landscape. This was not Orange County where you can walk down the street and you're not likely to encounter wild animals although we do have some coyotes in the parking lot here once in a while. But my point is, David started out from very humble beginnings. And if you really read back in the story of David, you know that that when they came to anoint the next king, they went through all of the brothers and finally came to David, right? He was a shepherd. He was someone they were sending out. Basically, he was expendable, so to speak, right? They were saying, basically, they're going to send him out with the sheep, and uh, if he gets killed, we'll get a new shepherd. So David started off with really humble beginnings. But what did God end up doing in David's life? God ended up taking him from a shepherd to a king. A shepherd to a king. What can he do in my life if he can take David from a shepherd and make him a king? He can do amazing things, right? Because if we look at the next scripture, we see that. It says, he is the only one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from from before you. It says, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So he took David from these humble beginnings, right? And he elevated him to the status of the king and says, look, you're going to reign basically forever. You and your household will reign forever, right? And we know that David falls into the lineage of Jesus, right? But David did some amazing things. Now, David made some mistakes too, right? We all know that. But David also had a heart for God. And because he had a heart for God, God did amazing things in his life and took him from being a shepherd to being a king. Again, what can he do for us if he can do that for David? The next example I want to look at is one of my wife's favorite stories from the Bible, and that's the story of Ruth. If you, haven't read, if you haven't read Ruth, it's only four chapters. It's a super easy read, but it's a super cool story about something that God did in the life of Ruth. So if you look at Ruth, and this is chapter 2, verse 3. So Ruth, chapter 2, verse 3. It says, So she went out, Entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Now, let me give you a little bit of backstory on Ruth, because you may not be familiar with the story with Ruth. It's not one of the more common stories of the Bible. However, Ruth is a very, very cool story. So, Ruth was married to a man who died. So, she married this man's brother. Yes, I know, that sounds a little strange to us. However, in the custom of this day, that's exactly what they would have done. If her husband passed away, in order to carry on that bloodline, she would have married his brother, which is exactly what she did. Now, that brother also passed away. Now, during this time, the custom of the land would have been for her to return home. She would have went back to her family. She would have went back to her father and her mother, and that's that's what would have been expected of her. But Ruth did things a little bit differently. What Ruth did is she stayed loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi. I'll let you insert your own mother-in-law joke there. But she stayed faithful to her mother-in-law. Instead of going home, she stayed to help her. And Ruth was working in a field. She was actually walking behind the harvesters and basically picking up the scraps and picking up anything that the harvesters may have missed. Now, I grew up in the Midwest, I know what that's like. My grandfather and I used to walk through the fields and we'd pick up popcorn, because they do have popcorn fields there. So anything that the corn picker missed, my grandpa and I would go out with five gallon buckets, pick it up, shuck it, we'd make popcorn out of it. So this is a very familiar story to me. I get the concept of walking through the field, but maybe you don't. But let's think about that job. You're not even the harvester. You're basically the the person that goes behind the harvester and picks up the scraps and the leftovers. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty lowly station in life. That's probably not a highly sought after position. I don't think there's too many people out there going, let me walk behind the harvesters and pick up the scraps. But Ruth did what she had to do. Now... For those of you who may not know the story of Ruth, as we see this story continue, this field that she's working in, as we just mentioned in the scripture, was owned by Boaz. Now, that's significant because who is Boaz? He's also in the line of Jesus. So Boaz would have been David's, I'm going to get this wrong, so maybe Glenn or somebody can correct me. Um, Boaz was David's grandfather. Did I get that right? (laughs) David was, okay, I'm sorry. David was the grandfather. so I'm I'm sorry, I knew I was going to get that wrong. Um, So anyway, Ruth went from being kind of a lowly field worker who was walking behind the harvesters and picking up the scraps to marrying Boaz and ended up being in the line of Jesus. So here she'd been through so much. She lost her first husband. She lost her second husband and now she's working in a field. But she goes from that, and if we follow our story down to Ruth chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we see it says, Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witness that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Mahalan. And then if we follow it down to verse 10, it says, I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite Malan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with the property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family and from his his hometown. Today you are witnesses. So Boaz basically marries Ruth. Ruth becomes part of that family line, which ends up becoming part of the family line of Jesus. So just like we saw with David, who went from a lowly beginning to be a king, Ruth went from being this faithful, loving field worker to being in the house of Boaz and eventually being in the line of what would eventually become Jesus. Again, talk about a turnaround. Do you think that when Ruth was out there working in the fields, that she had any idea that she would end up owning that field? Think about your place of business. Think about the place that you work. Do you go into work in the morning thinking, I'm going to own this place someday? Probably not. Most of us don't. Right? I don't come in thinking, I'm going to own this church one day. It doesn't work that way. I'm sure Ruth didn't go to work every day thinking, you know what, I'm going to own this field one day. She probably thought, this is my lot in life. My husband passed away. I'm going to support my mother-in-law. I'm going to do my best to take care of her. And this is just kind of what I do. But no, she went from a worker to an owner. Now, the last one I want to look at today is Paul. Now, Paul is one of the most common, probably, characters in the Bible. He's one of the most common heard-from characters in the Bible. And he's probably one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Because Paul just has such a cool, such an amazing story. And we pick up in the book of Acts. And it's chapter 22, and it's verse 4. And it reads, I worked hard and killed men and women who believed as I believe today. I put them in chains and sent them to prison. Those are some pretty straightforward words right there. Paul basically says, I used to kill Christians. And he did. Paul was a tax collector. And today, tax collectors aren't necessarily frowned upon. Right, Steve? We don't don't frown on tax collectors these days. But you have to remember, back in this time, a tax collector was like the lowest of the low. Because what a tax collector would do is they would go to Ken and say, Ken, your taxes are due, and I'm going to need three coins. But only two of those coins were actually taxes. The third one was going straight in their pocket. And this was a very common, very well-known practice of tax collectors. So tax collectors were kind of like the lowest of the low. Right? Nobody liked tax collectors. They were thieves, they were deceitful, they were liars. Well, not only did Paul do that, but he also persecuted Christians. These are his words. These aren't somebody else's words. These are his words. He's basically saying, look, this is what I did. Now, thankfully, he goes on to say, and he wasn't proud of it, but look at what God did in Paul's life. Paul writes a huge chunk of Of the New Testament he used Paul in such a huge tremendous mighty way that I'm sure Paul said to himself just like I said to myself about eight years ago there is no way God could use me in any way because I'm not worth it because of the decisions that I've made because of the mistakes I've made God can't use me he doesn't need me but look at what he did with Paul and if you ever if you ever haven't and you have the time read the story of Paul and how Jesus convinced him to become an apostle, it's an amazing story. And there's some really cool things that happen. You can make a movie out of it. But the bottom line is, he took this man who killed Christians and used him to bring people to Jesus. And he did it in a powerful and mighty way. He didn't let his past define who he was. He didn't let that season of life where he was a tax collector and a murderer define who he was, or be who he was to become. But instead, he gave his life to Jesus and let God do amazing, amazing things in his life. And he can do that for you and me, just like he did back in these times. Now, we've looked at some cool Bible examples of people who have made turnarounds, but I also want to, in just a moment, I'm going to have Miss Charlotte play a video for you guys, which is another just real-world example of what we're talking about because it's easy to look at these and say yeah these are, that was a long time ago God used to do that kind of stuff but guess what God still does it today. Charla?
1: 2010 I was going nowhere I was involved with guys that were selling drugs uh, not just you know petty, petty drugs really moving a lot of drugs and I was being tempted to go that way I was tempted to even you know uh, kill someone for money and um, you know, something kept stopping me. I didn't know it then, but Jesus Christ was watching over my life. And I woke up this particular morning. I remember I did something really horrible the night prior, and I remember just waking up at a really low, low point the following morning. And I woke up at a friend of mine's his girlfriend's place, and her mom was a, a Christian. And I don't remember this lady's name. I don't even remember what she looked like. But this particular morning, she pulled me to the side and she asked me if I went to church. And, um, and I told her, you know, lady, I don't, you know, I don't go to church. I got no reason, no reason to go to church. I got no reason being in the church, you know, got no point being there. And uh, then she asked me, you know, if I had problems. And I was like, you know, who doesn't? You know, I got some serious problems. And then she asked me, well, what are you doing about it? You know, how are you fixing your problems? And I remember really thinking to myself, and I had to admit the truth, you know, and I was like, I'm, I'm not really fixing my problems. You know, not, it's not, things aren't really working out for me. And this particular day, this lady goes, hey, you ever think about that if God were real, that God is the only one who can um, truly see your heart. God is the only one who can truly fix your problems because he knows exactly what's going on at the core of, of you, you know? And, and I remember thinking to myself, that made more sense than anything else I ever had made, you know, and in my entire life. And, you know, I remember two nights later, I was laying in my bed and I was crying my eyes out, just crying my eyes out. And I, and I remember the words that this lady said, and, you know, she was telling me about Jesus and... I remember thinking, well, God, you know, I got nowhere else to turn. You know, I got nowhere else to go. You know, I, this is it for me. You know, and uh, it was at this moment, you know, when I was crying, that God basically gave me a glimpse of my future, and He was like, "Look, well, you're either you're either going to be dead, or, or you're going to be in prison for a very long time if you keep walking down this road. You're walking down, and and it was at that moment that I just reached out to God and I and I accepted Jesus Christ and I asked Him to forgive me. You know, and and I invited Him into my heart and I told God right there at that moment, I said, "I'm sold out for You, God. I'm going to live for You wholeheartedly." And um, and, and it was like, it was it was the, the coolest thing ever happened. I mean, that, that could have ever happened happened. You know, it was at that moment that I felt like, I just a weight was just lifted. You know, it was like, I just knew I had a moment that my, everything was going to be all right. You know, and I remember waking up the following morning and I thought, well, maybe I had a moment, you know? And, uh, but it really wasn't, you know, because um, when I woke up the next day, uh, I didn't want to do drugs anymore I didn't want to drink anymore I didn't want to chase women anymore I didn't want to go to bars. I didn't want to get into fights I didn't want to uh, hold on to all that anger and all that hate and 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 uh, that you know that following Sunday I was in church you know and I haven't I haven't looked back ever since and remember a month later God told me, hey, I want you to give up your friends you know I want you to give up you know that part of your life and I was like well God, I love these guys and he was like well if you truly love them You'll follow me and I'll show you how to truly love them. And I remember uh, just giving them up. And I really didn't give them up. It was more like just me. I kept coming to church and they didn't want to come to church, you know. So I realized, you know, following Jesus that, you know, if I, if I truly love these, these guys, if I truly love my family, I was going to live my life for God. And in that, I was going to show them the right way to live, you know, and, and that's only for Jesus Christ.
0: There's so much good stuff that we can take from that story. God doesn't just change people's lives in the Bible. He does it today. There's two sides of that story that we just watched. One is a guy who desperately needed to turn his life around. And two was the friend's girlfriend's mother who stepped in and pointed him to God. Maybe you're on one side of that coin this morning or you're on the other. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to fix, that you need to change. Well, guess what? The good news is God is awesome, and he can do it. Or maybe you know somebody that needs to make a change in their life, and you can be that person to point them back to God. Because I tell you, there's no better feeling than to be able to help somebody get their life straightened out. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, this opportunity that we have to just come together and to talk about making changes in our lives. Maybe there's some folks in our audience today, Lord, that just need to make some changes in their lives. Give them the strength, give them the courage to make that first step today to make that happen. Or maybe, Heavenly Father, there's people in our audience today that have that opportunity to be a difference maker in somebody's life. Give them the courage to step out on faith and say, God, Use me in a powerful way to help this person change their life today. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We love that you are just an awesome, amazing, all-powerful God, and we know that you can make these turnarounds happen. So thank you so much for all that you do for us and all that you bless us with. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we are going to sing an invitation song with Brandon, and maybe you need to make some changes in your life, and maybe that's something that we can help you do. If you would like this morning, you have an opportunity to come forward and to ask for the prayers of this church and turn your life around. There's no reason to leave here today and not be in a right relationship with God. Or maybe you've never accepted the call to be baptized into Jesus Christ, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptistry is clean, it's ready, it's warm. We can baptize you today. If there's anything at all that we can help you with or anything that we can do for you, I want to encourage you to come together as we stand and sing. Behold, he